in a world where most people watch movies and then forget about them. Three brave heroes join forces to watch them again and then talk about them. Join them in their epic journey as they go back in time, a decade and beyond, to revisit and break down films from a vast array of genres. Do these movies hold up over time? Are they classics? Find out on Retro Movie Roundtable. Starring your hosts, Brian Fry, Chad Robinson, and Russell Guest. Coming now to Headphones in Your Ears. Welcome all you lords, ladies, and knights of the Retro Movie Roundtable. The podcast where we watch movies, then talk about them. I am your host, Chad Robinson, replacing Russell Guest today. He got a girl pregnant. Uh, it was his <laughs> wife. Congratulations to them and the and the newborn baby, but uh, they need some time off. But the good news is, joining me today is my good friend and co-host, Brian Fry. Brian, say hi to everyone. Hello, everyone. Very good. And with us today, Brian, mutual friend, returning co-host, Josh Evans. Josh, how are you? I'm great. Glad to be here, guys. Right. And to remind you guys, when you last heard Josh, he's back by popular demand. The never-ending story. Oh. <laughs> I really enjoyed that episode. I wasn't on it, but that was a great one to listen to. So if you guys haven't checked it out yet, go back and download The Never-Ending Story. The the Swamp of Sadness, that was some of my favorite commentary. Yeah. <laughs> I've been singing the songs ever since. <laughs> so we're going to... We're going to get to know you, or for those that have, heard, that have heard that episode, we're going to find out a little bit more about you, Josh. So we'll start off with an easy question. What was the last movie you saw? Well, the last movie I saw was I was uh, scrolling through Hulu, and I stopped and watched a really interesting movie called The Man Who Killed Hitler and Then the Bigfoot. <laughs> oh, man. Um, I, I own that. You you own that yeah I own that yeah <laughs> it was it was a pretty solid movie I uh, I have to say I uh, I don't think I have to watch it again but I'm glad I did very unique so is the uh, the title pretty much sum up the movie yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> Hitler and then the Bigfoot spoiler alert all right all right very good I'm all for spoiling everything in the title that's great it's uh, uh, so... it, it's basically uh, uh, a movie telling you exactly how to mess with Sasquatch. Yeah. <laughs> it's one giant Jack Link's commercial. Okay. Uh, so what was your first horror movie? Well, the first one I remember watching, um, and the one that really messed me up as a kid, was actually Gremlins. Oh, I love Gremlins. I, I, I do too now. I, I, but it terrified me as a kid. I was, I was Gremlins, and then I also was really terrified of Critters from the movie Critters. Oh, I love that one too. Yeah, I do now. And now I, I go back and I, I rewatch Gremlins around Christmas every year. Yes. Um, but yeah, that's the first one I really remember watching. So, what age were you when this messed you up? Because I have an ongoing debate with my wife of when it's appropriate to show my three-year-old daughter. It's three. No, it's definitely not three. Uh, I, I probably was maybe five. Um, I think it came out in 84, same yes. year I was born. Um, so I, I was probably five or six. But 
I remember for a few years I uh, I slept with the covers around the edge of the bed because I thought that they were underneath there. Oh, so no blenders. <laughs> okay. Yeah. All right. Well, that's a good one. I love Critters as well. Check that out. And finally, last question. What is a movie that you like but most people probably do not? Well, I think that uh, Fry could probably guess what this one is because uh, <laughs> we were – we were roommates a long time ago, and uh, it actually came up when we were preparing for this this very podcast. That could you not do this movie? Uh, and that was House of a Thousand Corpses. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. I, I love it. I, I love it, and I love the other movies. And uh, I, I made the mistake of uh, telling my dad he should watch. He, he wanted an, a good scary movie, and uh, I told him to check it out. And, oh, uh, man. He reacted pretty it was uh, <laughs> but uh yeah i like it it's different it's unique and uh i uh that's that's the one and i like the follow-ups too there is a less than one percent chance rob zombie will listen to our podcast but if he did we haven't been very kind to his movie <laughs> he won't listen to it for very long but no hey, i i think he'll be here mr zombie i feel like it's it would be very complimentary to him to hear that all I wanted to do after watching that movie was go to church. I think he would he would take I that. I think that's what he was going. Yeah. Yeah. And so. the Devil's Rejects that was pretty good too. And its own it, it's what it, exactly what it wants to be. There's a he lot did. of people after Sid Haig's death going and checking out Captain Spaulding. Yeah, yeah, one of the greatest characters he came up with. Like Captain Spaulding was amazing. He didn't really hook me with one until Lords of Salem. Yeah. The, they had another one that that's on, I think it's either on Amazon or Hulu, and the name's escaping me right now. But it was pretty solid. I watched it recently. Okay. I'm still waiting for that one to hook me. But uh, 31, 31 maybe I think is what it's called. Yeah, I'll, I'll have to check out Lords of Salem, but uh, I'm sure Shirley a... Moon zombies in it. And uh... so Brian, uh, for everyone listening to the podcast today, can you introduce what movie we're going to talk about? Yeah, so we are going to do the movie Drag Me to Hell, circa 2009. It grossed $42,100,625, and it placed 72nd in the box office that year. Uh, ahead of it was Planet 51, which I'd never heard of before, and the movie behind it was Orphan, which I have nope. actually seen. <laughs> Another horror movie. Yep. And uh, number one that year was Avatar. So his name is James Cameron. Um, IMDb rating was 3.5. And uh, critics on the tomato meter gave it a 92. Audience, a score of 62. Yeah, that's a, that's quite a disparity that the critics love this one so much more. I find that a little odd. It was also weird that this was coming off of Sam Raimi's dumpster fire that was Spider-Man 3. Yeah, I feel like he almost celebrated getting out of that franchise like, <laughs> well hey. apparently he already had this one written and like ready to go after army of darkness and wanted to get through all of uh the spider-man movies yeah get through making all that money yeah <laughs> and go back to making schlock horror right so i suggest he sticks to what he's good at <laughs> yeah uh this is what i love so josh have you seen this movie before? I have. Uh, I actually own maybe half a dozen DVDs, and th this is one of them. 
Um, I saw it in theaters, I believe, when it came out, and uh, probably bought it shortly after it came out. But uh, it's something I hadn't hadn't revisited in, in a few years, so I was pretty excited to go back and see it. Very cool. And Brian, had you seen this movie before? I had not. I had heard a lot about it. People have been saying, oh, you need to watch that for a long time. And I finally broke down. I was waiting for it to be on like a streaming service or something. And I finally broke down and bought it on Blu-ray last week. In celebration of this. With a title like Drag Me to Hell, what were your guys' expectations? I was I was excited to come back to it. Like I said, I had I'd seen it before. Um, it's a it's a Sam Raimi movie. I like his movies, so um, I was expecting to to come back and enjoy it. I was also like I was saying before the show, expecting my fiance to hate it, which which <laughs> she did. And uh, very good. I um I, I I guess I just really expected not not to harp too much on the man who killed Hitler and Bigfoot, but I just expected a lot of uh, people being drugged to hell. And right off the bat, <laughs> I wasn't disappointed. Like, I was just assuming <laughs> got, yeah, that there were... Hand, uh, yeah, I was just expecting a lot of hands out of the ground pulling people back into it or... Yeah. And, yeah, right away I was like, yep, there it is. Yeah, when this movie came out, uh, I admit, I saw the title and I was just like, you know... That's a little bit of an extreme title. I don't think I'm up for that. I don't know that I'm up for dragging to hell. So I, I skipped out of it on it. And it took me a couple of years to get around to it. It actually, I didn't recognize that it was from Sam Raimi until I was reading through top horror movies from whatever year. I was like, Sam Raimi went back to horror? And I'm like, all right, I'll give this a shot. I love Evil Dead um, and all iteration show form original movies even the remake and yeah yeah i was pleasantly surprised and i've been one of those people kind of uh, evangelizing for it i know I'll, the title is what it is but go see this movie i'll also uh it's worth worth uh, noting also that i um i watched the unrated director's cut of this as so, did i yeah, yeah. It, couple extra scenes in that that weren't in the um, regular cut. So if I mention something and you're like, when did that happen? That could be why. A couple of extra gory bits. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. The the parts that I don't, I don't know that, that it would have pushed it to an R rating with those extra <laughs> Toe bits. in the edge, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. yeah but it, it did have that extra Raimi touch in a lot of this. So we're going to take a quick advertisement break. And when we come back, we are going to spoil this movie. So if you have not seen Drag Me to Hell 2009, go watch the movie, come back to the podcast and listen to it, and then engage with us later on our Facebook page or any other form of social media. So we'll be back very soon. Look to your green leaves, I will make you into soldiers. Now raise your bags at arm's length from your body, chest height until I say so, and keep them up. What is this, Private Cottrell? Is this a non-issued army belt around your waist? Uh, maybe, sir. What makes you think that you can walk in here like that? Did you just forget? What else did you forget, Private Cottrell? Did you equip your latest episode of Retro Movie Roundtable? Yes, Drill Sergeant, sir. Private, did you give Retro Movie Roundtable rating, review, and subscription? Uh, drop here and give me 40, maggot. 
Don't you know the Retro Movie Roundtable needs your ratings, reviews, subscriptions to build this army of movie lovers and let them know how they can make the show better. I bet you did not even like the show on Facebook, much less write the show at Retro Movie Roundtable at Yahoo.com. Uh, no, sir. Are you dead, soldier? Do you think that you're special? I will whip you into shape. I will show you how to dress, rate, review, subscribe, like, and write the show like a United States soldier. Yes, sir, Joel Sergeant, sir. And we're back. Once again, if you haven't seen this movie, there's spoilers ahead. Josh, would you like to break down Drag Me to Hell? I would love to. All right, so movie opens up in the 60s with a frantic couple uh, bringing their son to see a mysterious woman, telling her he hears these evil voices after he stole a silver necklace from a gypsy wagon. Uh, they hold a, an unsuccessful seance where they were attacked by spirits. The ground opens up, spirits take hold of the boy, and, as the name would suggest, he was dragged to hell. Fast forward to present-day L.A. We meet Christine Brown, a bank loan officer in a battle with a suck-up co-worker for an assistant manager position. While at work, she is approached by an elderly, disheveled, gypsy-type woman named Mrs. Ganush, asking for a third extension on her, on her mortgage. Christine says no in an attempt to look tough for her boss. The woman begs and cries, drops to her knees. She still says no, to which the woman accuses Christine of shaming her. After work, Christine is attacked by the old woman. During the attack, she rips a button off her coat and curses it. Later, after getting a bad feeling, Christine and her skeptical boyfriend visit a seer by the name of Ram Joss. He tells her that she is being haunted by a dark spirit. Later that night, she is attacked by that spirit. The next day, she goes to Mrs. Ganush's house um, in an attempt to beg for her forgiveness, only to discover that she has died and they were having a uh, gypsy funeral for her. Uh, Christine returns to Ram Joss, who explains the spirit is actually a demon called the Lamia, and that she will be tormented for three days until she is dragged to hell. He suggests that a sacrifice may appease it. It does not, and Christine's kitty meets a grisly end. Her only other option is to enlist the help of Sandina, the lady from the opening scene of the movie, and only after she pays her $10,000. Again... As in the beginning of the movie, the seance does not go well, uh, finds the demon inhabiting the bodies of a couple of the group that were there, and a goat. Um, the Sandina was uh, successful in banishing the demon, but she ends up being killed in the struggle. As a last resort, Ram Joss says that she must gift the cursed button to someone, thus saving herself, but damning another person. He also says that the object could be potentially gifted to a dead person. Christine digs up Mrs. Ganush's grave, shoves the object into her mouth, and passes the curse onto her. Christine returns home. The next day, she prepares for a weekend trip with her boyfriend. She gets a phone call that she got the promotion that she was wanting, and life is good. Until that is, she arrives at the train station, where her boyfriend gives her a button that he found in his car. Horrified, she backs away and falls onto the tracks in the path of an oncoming train. Just before the train hits her, the ground opens up, Christine is grabbed by arms, and again, as the title would suggest, she was dragged to, to hell, all while her terrified boyfriend uh, watches helplessly. So since we're talking about plot point right here, I want to interject with a sideline plot point that happens throughout this entire movie, 
and it's going to be my sole criticism of this movie as a whole. And okay. I'm just going to go right out and say it. So during this entire time, Christine is vying uh, for a promotion at her job against the new guy who is your typical skeezy stab you in the back guy who's trying to schmooze with the boss by giving him Laker tickets and whatever to get the promotion. She has an ace in the hole with this project that she has completed for a loan and he then takes this project and takes it to another bank thus ruin or seemingly ruining her chance of getting the promotion and then she finally gets it at the end so my criticism of all this is i was way way more concerned with her getting her promotion than her being dragged to hell <laughs> like the like the more the most anxiety provoking part of this movie for me was when she was at work like that whole thing, I was I was just a mess for her. I was like, oh, she's got to get this promotion. F- this other guy, but I was just like, come on, this is. But that was far more like taxing on me than any of the spooky stuff that was happening to her as a result of being cursed. Well, the guy did have a supremely punchable face too, so I was really rooting yeah. for her to get that oh, uh, get that promotion. I love yeah. that guy though. He he did his job. Yeah, yeah. I, I loved how this movie opened to go back to last week's podcast where I was uh, advocating child murder. I will do that once again because <laughs> that's just going to be my thing this month, I guess. But uh, I loved how it started off just like, hey, we're going to kill this kid. <laughs> this kid is going to be dragged to hell. There was no mystery of how they titled this movie. Yeah. Like unrelated small child dragged to hell. Like, well. That's how this movie is going to go. And I, I appreciate a movie that isn't afraid to uh, have a, a, a bad ending, like a sad ending. And uh, so when, with Justin Long, who I guess this may have been the last thing that he has ever been seen in, because I've not seen him since. Tusk. Tusk. Oh, yeah. Yes, I forgot he, about Tusk. He did another very bad horror movie. Um, but he just watches how helplessly as she's dragged he he had a ring in his pocket was ready to propose and um watches his uh soon to be fiance being dragged to hell you know what that's what she gets though brian's brian's in retail i've been in retail like that's what she gets for getting that coat from the person that repeatedly said hey we're close making her open up she's (laughs) like just open your store for me i really want that coat it looked nice on me no it is it is interesting you bring that up chad because there are constantly things that I've, I I should start a list of I I use the quote there's a special place in hell for dot 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 and that would definitely be one of them uh, you know I'm talking about things like people who drive the wrong way through a mall parking garage like against the arrow kind of stuff I mean just little <laughs> things that happen on a daily basis that I'm like oh yeah yeah there's a circle of hell for that um yeah, I and that's another thing. At the end of the movie, she got drugged to hell, and I was like, "All right." I actually kind of wanted Justin Long to get it. <laughs> I was just like, "Oh, that'd be awesome." Uh, I don't know. It, nobody in this movie compelled me so much that if they had been drugged to hell, I would have been like, "Oh man, that sucks." Yeah, I, well, I kind of feel like, <clears throat> excuse me, I kind of feel like uh, Christine um, Allison Lohman. I, Feel like she wasn't a great actress uh so it, i didn't mind seeing someone being you know if it was going to be someone you know she kind of got on my nerves a little bit <laughs> i actually dug her i i liked 
this is a movie that I'm just kind of enchanted with, and I'm probably have rose-colored glasses. Oh for, no, for absolutely everyone. too. I, I do. I, I do enjoy the movie a lot, um, and uh, you know, it's fun to pick it apart. You know, I'm a. I have three cats, which is un, an unreasonable amount of cats for anyone that's passing judgment. I know, but. You know, they even killed a cat. And, and that's I, where my fiance was done with this movie. <laughs> I, I get it. She I get was it. looking for the cat with the knife. She goes, if she kills the cat, I'm not watching. If she kills the cat, I'm not watching. She she killed the cat. And she stopped watching. Yeah. And, and unfortunate for her, one of the extended scenes of the special edition that I had was a, a little bit more of the cat killing and then the, and the body blood. down into the into the uh into the hole so um but it produces a great line later it's like i did what you said i killed a little kitty <laughs> all right no let me ask you as a question though if out of everybody that has a speaking part in this movie would you have been upset if any of them got drugged to hell no like really. i was fully behind really whoever Whoever got the uh, the hot potato button at the end of this, I was like, all right. It should have been Stu. We can all agree that it should have been Stu. Yeah. I, I would have been a little sad if uh, the gypsy's daughter or uh, Ram Joss. Ram Joss, yeah. Like, he was just trying to help. He was kind of an idiot, but he was just trying to help. He's, yeah. Uh, how can you – he probably went to a lot of effort to find a black goat to bring into a seance at the last minute. <laughs> Like, I feel for this guy. He's got a bunch of books. He's just, like, he's never had to deal with a Lamia before. But, yeah. you know, Brian just uh, learned some Hungarian and uh, yeah, steal I... something from some of these people that you're seeing. <laughs> Give it right back what? to them. In the, in the back of my mind, I was actually still, like, I was thinking about it. And I was like, even if her boss got drugged to hell, I would have been like, yeah, that's fine. <laughs> I think Fry's excited for the sequel where everyone yeah, gets dragged to hell. Everyone, <laughs> there really needed to be more dragging to hell in this movie. Like maybe the body count was five. Ones. I did come across that five people were uh, yeah. were were killed. I was kind of hoping Just... Justin's Long's parents might be drugged to hell. Like that would have been all <laughs> oh, right. man. That was a rough scene. As an awkward person to just meet and talk to in general. Uh, <laughs> I felt for her so badly, and then she just flips out, and everyone's judging. The mom's already like, why are you marrying this girl? She works in a bank. She's not rich. Like, oh. She can go just, to Yale. Just, yeah, just eat the fly. <laughs> just eat the fly. I forgot eat about the fly. The fly. <laughs> yeah, we've, so we've talked a little bit about the cast but, uh, Brian, you want to give us a rundown of the cast? Absolutely. So we have Allison Lohman as Christine Brown, Justin Long as Clay Dalton, Lorna Raver as Mrs. Ganush, uh, Dileep Rao, I'm going to go with that, as Ramjas. Dileep Rao. Dileep Rao. Sounds good to me. Uh, David Pamer as Mr. Jax, Adriana Bazara, Baraza, Baraza, there we go. Sean Sandina is her character. Um, Academy Award nominee. <laughs> Salise Ross is Leonard Dalton. Reggie Lee is Stu Rubin. Uh, Molly Cheek is Trudy Dalton. Uh, you know, I'm just going to stop there. I got to tell you, I couldn't name, and I've watched this recently, I don't think I could have named anybody after Ram Joss after finishing the movie. 
Like, if you'd said, what's the boss's name, I'd have been like, that bank boss. So, yeah, I don't <laughs> know. Name Stu? Stu, yeah, you can remember. Oh, Stu. And Mrs. Mrs. Ganush, I could, uh, yeah. Well, no, but I'm just saying them, that... Yeah, I didn't, I didn't yeah. know Tr- Trudy Dalton or uh, Elinka Christine, Ganush. Christine, yeah, I Clay, think it was just Justin Long's parents. Yeah. Yeah, so I don't know. I just, it, it, at some point, you recognize that nobody else in this movie mattered, really. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it really is about Christine Brown and uh, to a much lesser extent. A much lesser way. extent, Justin Longer boyfriend, right? Yeah, it was surprising. It was, yeah, I agree. I feel like he was a bigger name than what his role was in mm-hmm. this movie. I mean, he'd been in Jeepers Creepers, uh, Accepted was before this uh, movie he was mr uh, mac so one of the fun things is he's always using apple products because he was their spokesperson right but yeah he uh, he did not have much of a part in this and ellen page was actually originally cast as christine but she dropped out to star in whiplash actually I seen whiplash been. i enjoyed the derby movie yes okay when was live free or die hard was that that was before this, right? I think so. Would you guys have liked Ellen Page to replace Allison Lone? I, I think so. Yeah, we're getting a little ahead of ourselves with uh, replacing someone in the okay. cast. <laughs> but right. that no, I, I I would have liked that. Like I didn't I didn't I didn't hate the the girl that played Christine. I just I, I think her uh, acting ability was a little questionable. Well, Brian, let me put it to you guys you this way. Yeah, um, I. Yeah, no, I'd totally be behind that. But that's what a lot of these superlatives and stuff toward the end of this movie were difficult for me because, and and I don't really mean this as a criticism, this movie was what it was, but really any of them could have been interchanged with anybody else and this movie still would have been what it was. You know what I mean? Like, unless they got someone who really, really feel like Mrs. I feel like Mrs. Ganush was probably... uh... That was probably a solid casting. Yeah, Mrs. Ganush. She's Ganush. Yeah, she she was. Uh, I think she was very very uh, good at that role she was playing. And that's crazy because she just she moved to Hollywood in her sixties and basically didn't know what she was reading for. When she got this part, she just said, "Oh boy." She, <laughs> she just she had just read for the bank scene and it was like little old lady goes to bank to try and prevent banker from foreclosing on her. And that's what she read. And when she got the actual script, she she, she hired a Hungarian dialect coach. Yeah. I remember reading, and uh, yeah, yeah. So she she got a late start. So if you don't recognize that name, you're you're not alone. She was doing like Broadway and things like that before, and just decided late in life, hey, I'm gonna go give Hollywood a try. And thank goodness she did, because she was wonderful in this movie. Okay. And for. Uh, for Sam Raimi fans out there, if you're wondering, uh, he tends to cast Bruce Campbell in everything. Uh, I can't think of any other movies of Sam Raimi's off the top of my head that Bruce isn't in, except for this one. I don't think there are any other ones. Yeah, and he, Bruce had a scheduling conflict, so he... It was a burn notice, wasn't yes. it? Yep. Yeah. Yeah, which was a fun show, but he could not uh, get into this film, and Sam didn't want to delay production, so... No Bruce Campbell, for those. Who that, would have uh, he have been in this? Know. Like her boss. Eh, we 
we might talk about that a little bit later. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But right now, what we are going to talk about is the film's creation. So this film was produced by Robert Tappert and Grant Curtis. These are old friends of Sam Raimi. Uh, Tappert worked with Sam on Evil Dead. And Grant Curtis worked on the Spider-Man series. Uh, It was directed, like we said, by Sam Raimi, famous for, again, Evil Dead, Spider-Man. His his style is... Distinct. Yeah, it it is. (laughs) You always knew you were watching a Sam Raimi movie. Um, It can go from a creepy, like, scary type of scene to an anvil falling on someone's head with the sound effects and the eyeballs gushing out. It's, uh, it's <laughs> there very... is always an eyeball in someone's mouth. Yeah, there is. And uh, yeah, very, very distinct style um, that, that Raimi has. And it, it really, you know, harkens back to the evil dead, even the way they, they scream and fly around and everything it was very evil dead. And uh, it's one of the reasons I like this movie so much. Yeah, I just want to know who keeps an anvil in their storage area hooked up to a rope like that i just i what kind of person does that <laughs> it's better to have one and not need one than need one and not have one <laughs> clearly <laughs> i mean when you oh, start I, I just remember thinking like what anvils, it just it all falls apart it was very Gosh. Tunes, but i'm glad it was there i mean evil dead 2 had a dancing skeleton outside mm-hmm. he cut off his arm <laughs> and attached a chainsaw like these are all necessary things for sam raimi uh for those that just know him from the original spider-man franchise that's not that's not really his style yeah yeah he's a he has a love for gore he really does and i but it's always uh, as gory as it is it's always in good fun it's, there's I always think. an undercut of zaniness to to the gore yeah, when she's sound getting, effects like uh, screaming, like just it's, it's kind of funny. Yeah, the Lamia is creepy, but when he gets into the room and starts tossing around, it it was violent, but at the same time, he kind of made that light. I don't know how a, a horror movie that you smile at a lot. <laughs> this person's gonna die! Yeah, <laughs> uh, Brian, how you've seen some of Raimi's other works? How do you think that this compares to? Um, I mean, Evil Dead and Dark Man, I'm a big fan of. I like Twick and the Dead, um, The Gift. Uh, He's one of those up-and-down directors for me. Anybody associated with those Spider-Man movies, it's a rough sell for me at this point. Um, Just just because I, as I've noted many times, uh, Tobey Maguire's not one of my favorite people. Those movies are not anywhere like they're just bottom bucket movies for me. So, um, I, I truly believe or mean it when I say it, he needs to stick with these horror movies. Yeah, that's, that's fair. I definitely prefer him in the horror movie role, but the, for those listening, Brian has a personal vendetta. Yeah. He's really mad about those Spider-Man movies and Tobey Maguire. Yeah. I think it's almost all Spider-Man movies. Are you okay with Tom Holland now? Is it it Tobey Maguire or is it, uh, it's, it's Tobey Maguire. Um, I was going to say, you have his face on a dartboard or something like that. (laughs) No, no, it's not that bad. It's not like, you know, you throw, you just throw hatchets at him. You got the one of his likenesses, the cardboard likenesses from a, a movie theater. And you're just chucking hatchets. 
Uh, no, it's nothing like that. I'm I'm just not a fan of his. Uh, it's nothing to do with really him. I don't think he's a bad actor. I just he's just not my cup of tea. Um, I would say that the execution on those Spider-Man movies wasn't my favorite. The casting was definitely not my favorite. And I kind of had an eyebrow up when they were being made based on the fact that it was Sam Raimi doing them. And I was like, okay, well, I guess you got to branch out somewhere. And then by the end of it, I was like, oh, God. Like, well, he, was, need, he needed to make that his was money, rough. and I'm sure he did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. So, so anyway, I don't, I don't blame him for that. And I liked, um, I liked both of the follow-up uh, Spider-Man uh, iterations. Uh, Andrew Garfield went a long way of, of healing some of those wounds, and then I absolutely love Tom Holland. Yeah, yeah, I've been a big fan of Tom Holland's. As far as uh, Sam Raimi's storytelling, though, Josh, what do you feel is Sam Raimi's storytelling style? Um, uh, I think what you were saying or what you have here about uh, there is some genuine respect for the the character, but man, he beats the crap out of him. Like he really does. Like, he, <laughs> he does puts, make them. He puts hard. him through a lot. He puts him through a lot of emotional. Uh, ranges there um but uh you know like i said there's there's the highs and the lows and the the scary and the funny and uh you know i kind of respect and and enjoy the 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 balance there between the the two different styles brian what do you think about remy's storytelling um as far as his horror movies go i really agree with most of what you guys have said about him being you know, almost whimsical with a lot of it, and it is. It is funny. Like the gore pieces specifically are Looney Tune esque, um, but I mean, he. I think Josh, you probably nailed it when you were like, you always know when you're watching one of his movies. It's like watching Michael Bay make anything. Like you're always going to have that one <laughs> explosion that has a car do a three sixty. Um, so yeah, I. I don't know. I feel like I've gotten kind of off the rails now, but uh, I enjoy Sam Raimi horror movies a lot, and it's it's weird. You almost feel like you hit the lottery sometimes when you find out he's making another one, uh, just because they are few and far between when you really look at it in terms of years. Yeah, yeah. Drag Me to Hell came out. I'm actually not familiar with The Gift. I don't know if that was a horror movie or not. The last one I recognized was from 1990, which would have been 19 years. And I never I, I never saw Oz the Great and Powerful, so I don't know uh, that, if, his, if his trademark style kind of follows suit with that one. That was a James Franco movie, wasn't were, it? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, that's... Uh, Brian has his issues with Tobey Maguire. I've got mine with James, with James Franco. Franco. Yes. <laughs> I don't think I hate anybody like that. <laughs> I don't like your face, sir. <laughs> I'm sure he's fine. I just, yeah, I did like the interview, so I'll give him that. As far as cinematography goes, uh, I really actually enjoyed a lot that went on in this movie. I thought there were great shots, particularly in the cemetery, the graveyard sequence. The graveyard sequence was uh, awesome. Yeah, I watched the one that actually some of the special features, and I watched how they made the graveyard sequence 
Yeah, that it was, was really so cool. It was really neat. They had to go through this whole. Uh, it, it wasn't in a graveyard. Obviously, there was just like this trapezoid-shaped metal box that they had her in, and they had to. Uh, I think they ended up using spa mud to to get the right consistency. But it was like a trial and error process there in uh, the beginning to trying to find the right consistency of the mud. Um, so I thought it was super interesting and a very memorable sequence. Um, I also the uh, the one of the scenes. One of my favorite scenes in the movie was when the the Lamia kind of first shows up, and it's like in the middle of the day, and he, he's kind of walking around, and nothing really happens. But like I think with the the shots that they had there, it made it extra spooky, which was kind of odd because it was so like middle of the day and bright out. Like I never really yeah seen it like that, um, but it was very effective when he's running around the house. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that shadow was very creepy. I, mm-hmm. I mean, this movie does have instances where it's actually scary yeah you have a lot of fun and you laugh and there's some zany gore but when the lamia is coming up the stairs and you hear those hooves and you see the shadow the shadow yeah or the the, when she comes home and she's first attacked by the lamia um before she really knew what was going on it was a pretty terrifying scene yeah she gets kind of thrown around the kitchen and everything yeah i feel like Part of his style is uh, dingy and dirty. Like he has to get everyone just absolutely filthy. Back to what you guys have both talked about, the kind of putting his actors through an ordeal. Like there's, uh, you mentioned the mud. Uh, Allison Lohman was allergic to whatever synthetic. It broke out into so, hives. You must yeah. watch the same one I did. Yeah. yeah. So she actually did. She. It was real mud, and I appreciate that from, from her. Like, She's getting doused in real mud. There's nothing <laughs> nothing you can do. This was a very dirty shot. And that, that graveyard setup was so cool. With uh, It was. It was like a little box that they set up and angled just right. It was impressive to and see the water falling into it the whole time. And, yeah. Yeah. So that's the only part of this that I took umbrage on in terms of, like, she dug the whole hole opens it up, has a fight with a dead body. And I, I think it was raining the entire time, but only when she oh, yeah. goes to climb out, does she get a deluge of mud? You know totally what I mean? Unrealistic. <laughs> <laughs> no, I didn't notice I, that. No. Okay. Yeah. I was just like sitting there like, why is it pouring mud on her now? Like what changed? It I was don't know. The last laugh from uh, yeah, Mrs. Exactly. Ganish. So I suppose that falls into the next category of uh, editing. Brian has some editing with the graveyard sequence here. I mean, there's just a couple things. But again, if you're trying just to be entertained by a Sam Sam Raimi horror movie, it doesn't matter. Like, none of this is Yeah, I thought it was all nice and entertaining. I I didn't ever really feel bored watching it. Like, I was, uh, you know, as far as the flow of everything went, I thought it was really paced nicely. I was going to say, I always, the, stuff like that, little nitpicky things, when I see something and recognize it, and then I start to think, well, why'd they do that? I always have a flashback to our friend Chris Shreve in Lord of the Rings. Oh, where, gosh. Where, where they're reforging Narsil, and he's sitting there, and he audibly says, you can't reforge steel like that. and and so anytime i nitpick something like that i always think about that and i'm like all right shut up brian (laughs) (laughs) i don't think it was meant it wasn't really going for realism in this movie so uh right I'll, i'll overlook some things like that exactly 
as far as this goes, it was a short 90 minutes and easy uh, watch leg. Yeah. Never really oh, felt easy boring. Watch. Yeah, I agree. You get moved from set piece to set piece mm-hmm. and there's always something going on. Uh, whether it's funny and then horrifying or a little bit of both, but yeah, it's a, uh, there's really well paced and smooth for me. I actually had a breakthrough, um, since the last podcast where we discussed horror movies, um, I had mentioned that Jess will no longer watch horror movies with me. Like less than 24 hours after that podcast, she watched as above so below with me. And I was like in my head, just signaling touchdown the entire time. I was like, yes, we're turning a that corner. An intense one to, to get someone to jump into. Like I would think uh, she, gremlins would she, be an entry point. <laughs> I'm, I'm working like, on she I, dug I it. plans because she does not like horror movies either. And I have plans on, uh, uh, having her uh, watch Gremlins with me this year. It's a good choice. So what did Jessica think of it? Oh, no, she was really into it. And that just... I really think that as a horror movie enthusiast, and she used to like going to see those movies with me prior to The Ring, um, I really think that you can step on the wrong landmine when it comes to these, and, and it can put you off for a while. And in this case, it put her off for like 15 years. Well, you years. mean like me... Like me telling my dad that he should watch House of a Thousand Corpses. and uh... I don't think he'll take a movie recommendation from you ever again for anything. He no, could be like, Josh, what's a good rom-com? And he'll be like, I can't trust you. I, I could hear my stepmom in the background just like, it was nasty. She, like, <laughs> she was right. It's like, it's like if somebody asks you, hey, Josh, can I get a good uh, romance movie? And you're like, yeah, you should totally watch Boogie Nights. Oh no! <laughs> like <laughs> that's that's the level of uh, suggestion disparity <laughs> from what what he was really asking for to what he received. There are <laughs> movies, and this is a little rabbit trail here, but there are movies that I really like, but I struggle to recommend to someone because I'm afraid I'm going to be judged oh, really I, harshly. I, I, I recognize that and understand that completely like bone tomahawk i love and brian i've thought about recommending that to you a hundred um, times what about hobo with a shotgun yeah but well, i love hobo with a shotgun bone tomahawk it's it is a uh, it is a western horror movie and kurt russell's in it and it's great but uh you may come back to me after watching that and saying what the heck man <laughs> It is a. Uh, we'll just put it. I won't spoil anything, but it's memorable. Actually, uh, you you don't have to worry, Chad. I have actually already seen this. I just typed it into Google. I had completely forgotten the name of it. So I have <laughs> uh, I have watched Bone Tomahawk. So you know what I'm talking about as far as memorable. Yeah, I get it. I think I think what I'm saying as far as House of a Thousand Corpses goes is it's the the intensity that is lasting throughout the entire movie. Plus, it's worth it's exhausting, noting. For sure. Yeah, it's a really exhausting movie, and it's also worth noting that we had picked up some really, really awful malt liquor to drink. I was going to say we were it. probably fairly drunk because we were an yeah. undergrad living together <laughs> watching it at the time. Yeah, and and I had picked up. I still remember just the made name you of a little this. Woozy watching it. Yeah. Well, I still remember the name of this because it was so bad. But while we were watching this movie, I was drinking this bottle of Wild Irish Rose. And it was a malt wine something or other from um, uh, Maris's. And I, I just think 
the combination of the two upset me for a really long time. (laughs) (laughs) Ruined alcohol and horror movies at the same time. That's a, that's a double whammy. So as far as set design, uh, I think Josh mentioned it. There's pretty much present day uh, Los Angeles. You know, there's there's no particular social environment or or any interest in Aspect having that discussion. Yeah, it was serviceable. It was fine. We're in a bank, and all bankers are evil. Yeah. Even those of us that work for a bank, you know, <laughs> I, I I guess uh, we are hundred percent. This could have been fit. Yeah, this movie could have been filmed in any suburb in the United States or Canada. That's fair. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. I think it was just Los Angeles because that's where they were and they were lazy. And that's fine. Uh, the the wardrobes and costumes, I, I don't know that there's much to write home about. No. Uh, anything you guys want to contribute? Nothing that uh, upset me or excited me. Like, it was fine. It was adequate. Yeah. Yeah, standard, except for that that blue coat at the end. I mean, that was game-changing. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I've actually <laughs> purchased one like that for Sarah. So I, I did appreciate that. I was like, yes, it's a nice coat. <laughs> Not worth opening in the store for a random lady, but it's a nice coat. So good on them for that pea coat. Uh, what I do want to talk about is the special effects and the lighting. Uh, some of this... My favorite special effects weren't actually effects. Uh, those maggots in the nightmare scene with Mrs. Ganoush like vomiting violently into Christine's <laughs> mouth, those were real. I didn't know that. And Chris, Christine has her mouth open. They uh, they shove these maggots through this tube in a Mrs. Ganoush puppet, and the Ganoush puppet was amazing too. I was watching this extra with them and watching them load maggots into this tube and, <laughs> and, and Sam Raimi's direction to Alison Lohman and God bless her for taking this direction was open your mouth. <laughs> uh, I, I don't know how much she was paid. I'm sure it's public, but I don't know that it was enough to take that direction. Like she had a good career at this point. No, though I, I agree that the uh, the practical effect I think is the right uh, the yeah. right term to to use. I appreciate that the, the puppetry and the the the, the blood uh, with the bank scene. Um, yes. that was that was fantastic. Yeah, I watched the engineering of that. It it wasn't really CGI. I expected it to be, but they plugged Allison's nose and ran a tube up it, and <laughs> just made made this tube of blood shoot up her nose, hit this plug and then spew back out. So that was, uh, that was disgusting. (laughs) And they, uh, they initially got the pressure wrong too. (laughs) So she probably had quite a headache. We mentioned it was, uh, it was real blood. Uh, the goat, the goat at the seance was a puppet. Uh, Yeah. So I didn't notice that. I didn't either. I, I read that prior to, watching it and uh i was like it's it's a pretty great puppet yeah brian did you notice it was a fake goat i did not know it was a fake goat but i really want to make a joke that it's not justin long's first experience with the goat (laughs) (laughs) flashback to waiting yes (laughs) man i love no i didn't know it was a fake joke i do too that's another one of the dvds that i own yeah but i mean you want to talk about a movie that 
that politically has not aged well. <laughs> no, no. Yeah, that's, that's just one big Me Too movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Someone that, that worked in uh, as a waiter. Yeah. That, uh, that I, was a I've, big I've Me Too industry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've watched it recently, and I just remember being like, oh, this movie would get massacred today. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe if we ever do that, and I doubt we will for those exact reasons, the does it hold up section will be nope. <laughs> Hard no. <sighs> for the soundtrack and score, I'll, I'll ask you guys, was this a typical horror movie fair of background music, or did anything stand out to you? I, I can't really recall much that stood out to me. That being said, I didn't uh, I didn't think it was bad. It's orchestral mic- mostly, from yeah. from what I recall. Yeah, I have a micro criticism on this. Not that it's a big deal, and he may have actually been going for this, but I felt like the music and the sound effects were a little bit too leading. I felt like you always knew when the the surprise or the Whatever was supposed to make you jump, you always knew when it was coming. One, by the cinematography, because he always zoomed in on her face really close right before it happened. And the music cuts. So yeah. I, I, I feel like he telegraphed the surprises a little too much to the point where they weren't as surprising. That's fair criticism. When things like Mrs. Ganosh's uh, uh, handkerchief lands on the car i guess there the music does cut out i could have Hap, i could have happens at her house gone, too yeah i could have gone for a little bit more zany music or something whenever they're having the uh uh car fight scene mm. like i i wanted her radio to kick into something that just would have made it upped it to 11 i mean that was already a great fight they're hitting each other with actual staplers the stapler yeah <laughs> stapled her eye shut <laughs> yeah, and I, I love lona raver she just told allison hit me like i want this to be real both of them really wanted it to be real and lorna was saying hey uh i was really sore but we got a great shot <laughs> like all right allison saying choke me lorna saying hit me with a stapler Good for both of them. Yeah, good for them. I like taking one for the team. <laughs> you can't feel good if you're Allison, though, hitting, uh, I don't know what she was at, at this point in time, but she was above 60. Yeah. <laughs> the extras are so strange. Yeah, but I mean. Though. She's such a pleasant woman outside of this movie. Yeah. Would the, uh, would the movie have done better and achieved more acclaim had something actually happened to her as a result of her... Um, enthusiasm for the part oh man one of those like there'd there'd been a yeah you know there's a death associated with it and the death is actually the lady who dies cursing someone and i don't know the original been her (laughs) (laughs) all those dead horses it did uh i don't know there were death rumors around the other been her the one that we covered um trying to think is there a famous example that you can think of for that's a oh where someone died around well i mean heath ledger i feel like yeah uh i feel like batman got a whole lot Brandon more press Lee. with his death yeah oh uh, yes. yeah absolutely yes the crow yeah that's another good one um so yeah i do i think i think you can actually get cult status almost guaranteed with a death well i 
I for one am glad, Miss. I'm glad. Uh, I'm glad she didn't die, though. Yeah, <laughs> I'm glad she survived this movie. She'll be around for the sequel if they ever make it, or do uh, Evil Dead Two and completely remake this and make it a very, very different story. Well, now it is time for our look for this. This is where we share fun facts, bonus content, or trivia uh, for things that we just couldn't get around to talking about in earlier segments. So we'll start with you, Josh. Look for this. Um, there are actual references to the Evil Dead series um, oh, that so I really many. that I really appreciated. Um, one that I didn't realize until afterwards was the the car, the the Delta 88, yes, something you can see. Car. I guess that's that's in the Evil Dead series. Even at the end when uh, they were taking a uh, taking a trip, a weekend trip to uh, Justin Long's cabin in the woods. Yes. That was a that was a reference to the the Evil Dead series. So I, I enjoyed those. Yeah, I love that. Uh, Brian, look for this. Um, I would say. Uh... I didn't really have a good look for this for this movie just because it I mean most of my thoughts on how this went down in terms of a look for this moment were you know like the like the anvil like just recognizing some of the sets for the absurdity that they were and loving how that played into the plot would probably be my my look for this if i was going to tell somebody this is what you need to sp pay special attention to this because you may not catch it the first time i would say uh set absurdities okay yeah that's a good one though that's a staple of sam raimi why is there a chainsaw <laughs> why are there uh for me uh, there we're going to continue with the evil dead references uh on the way to the cemetery, Christine says, I'm going to get some. And it's kind of a line that stands out of, like, is this really in character with you? But it was a reference to Bruce Campbell's Ash Williams saying, come get some from Evil Dead. And uh, the movie also opens with 1980s Universal logo. Uh, and that's when Evil Dead came out. So Sam Raimi is really promoting, like, hey, I'm doing horror again. And speaking of promoting, like I think we mentioned before, Justin Long using Apple products throughout yes. the movie, and he was actually the Apple spokesperson at the time. So I wonder if there was something worked into his uh, into his contract there, where he got to to display the Apple products. Yeah. I cannot touch a PC. Yeah, it has to be. <laughs> I, I wouldn't surprise. It wouldn't surprise me if Steve Jobs worked that in. Uh, I, we did mention the the puppet goat. There was an actual goat in parts of the seance, but my favorite reason for it being replaced was it was too friendly, Aww. and it was licking Allison during the <laughs> seance. Kind of ruined the vibe of the seance. I hate when that happens. Yeah, it's like you're supposed to be possessed, and it's just licking her. It's not scary at all. <laughs> messing with her, and she's laughing during the scene like, can someone get this goat to stop licking me? <laughs> Josh, do you have any other look for this? I, I think that was uh, that was most of it. I did see that uh, the Lamia was actually based on um, an actual thing. Yeah. Um, I had it right here. Yeah, the Lamia is actually a yeah, woman. Yeah, it's a, a boogie woman from Greek mythology who stalks the countryside looking for children to devour. Uh, it was a story they used to get young children 
and into the beds at bedtime. The Lamia was going to come get you. Yeah, that's that's sort of messed up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I even read it. it was a, they, there's some people that think that there's some connection between the Lamia and Krampus. Okay. And, yeah. Ooh. All right, more that that was a fun movie, by the way. But uh, yeah, more. Russell's going to be sad he missed this. I mean, there's a lot of good parenting opportunities with this uh, trivia here. How to motivate your kids by the retro movie roundtable? Tell them they'll be murdered. Lamia. Instructions. Lamia. I mean, the moral of the story is don't mess with gypsies. Right. Yeah. Never. <laughs> but don't we already know that? I'm sorry. Like, I don't know. I don't know when I learned this, but I feel like it. It must have been. <sighs> what was the Bond movie with the gypsies? Where the the two women have to fight each other oh yes yes uh is that from russia with love yes yes it is okay so i'm gonna use that one as an example i feel like they really hit home the don't mess with gypsies piece like from a long way back so i i just feel like i understand she wanted the promotion and i was nervous for her but <laughs> if, if you don't know not to mess with the gypsy, you definitely don't mess with the gypsy with one different colored eye who's cleaning her teeth out of her mouth at your desk. And like, if you, there have, to, all if you absolutely have to mess with the gypsy, you don't take from him afterwards. <laughs> right. You keep the button. I'm not taking that. Yeah. It's yeah. not my button now. I, I mean, I... In that moment, I think I'd be happy it's over when someone's handing it to me. Like, what What just happened? <laughs> but yeah, the afterwards realization of, I just took something from a gypsy. I am screwed. <laughs> would come to mind. Like, I would be visiting. Uh, uh, I'd, I'd have a little less issue giving it to Stu, though. Yeah. Yeah. yeah <laughs> Stu, Stu would have gotten it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, I want to give you something, Stu. Just take this button and you can keep your job. Right. I'm not going to tell anyone. And then he goes and rats yeah. her out anyways. He, he deserved the button. <laughs> yeah, but he never would have gotten the button. He would have gotten a nickel. That's, that's true. That's true. Hey, that's good true. catch. Yes. That, that, that apparently is worth something, too. So not only would she have still been dragged to hell, but she would have furthered Stu. <laughs> movie ruined. We we don't have any out. We he don't... actually won the movie. Yeah, yeah. Well, he did get fired. I guess yeah. there's that. But uh, he can go. I feel like he had to put now. that in. <laughs> <laughs> there just would have been a revolt, or maybe it'll be drag me to hell too. Stu's turn. Yeah. Uh, what was it? Happy, happy death day too. I really like the series, <laughs> but uh, it started with. Uh, stoner roommate so that was fun it's like okay yep. we've met all the characters and not the original main chick it's gonna be the stoner roommate guy well now it's now it's time for our favorite time of the podcast the movie superlatives first up is our mvp we'll start with you josh who is your mvp of drag me to hell well, my MVP is, this is probably an easy one, but I'm going director, Sam Raimi. It's exactly what I wanted the movie to be. It's a Sam Raimi horror movie, so I gave him the MVP. Very good. Brian, your MVP? I feel like that we've we've talked about it enough now that I'm changing uh, sides and going with uh, Lorna Raver as Mrs. Ganesh. 
Okay. Yeah, she was excellent. I loved her. Um, for me personally, it's, it's Allison Lohman. I know you guys kind of have picked on her acting and everything, but really watching the extras made me appreciate everything she put into this movie from getting beat up the entire time to swallowing maggots, being covered in real dirt. You know, what she was put through just pushed it over for me. And I thought she was sweet and it was fun watching her just turn to kitty murder Killing her kitty. <laughs> and, and every other extent that uh, she went to avoid dying. That so, also, I, f- I feel like that happened really fast too. It was like, uh, there's no way I'm going to kill an animal. Well, you never know what you're capable of. Couple noises in the house. Here, kitty, kitty. <laughs> like that, it was quick, right? Like that was a very quick turnaround to uh, kitten murder. I mean, how many? And she could have gone out and body attacked by a lamia before you <laughs> resort to kitten murder. I, I I'm thinking know. my numbers I, I'm between just saying, one and two. <laughs> you take a swing down the road. You find a you know cow farm or something. You buy a chicken. You go to the local pet store, find a lizard. Lizards aren't going to like look all cute and stuff while you're na- knifing it. I mean, I'm just saying there were other options. <laughs> Desperation just made her act immediately, I guess. But yeah, I, I would certainly prefer not stabbing the kitten. Uh, anyways, for our best supporting actor, Josh? Uh, I went with Lorna Raver. I thought she was thought she was very convincing as the scary gypsy woman and uh i think she probably made the movie for me yeah very good brian best supporting actor on this one i'm going to go with uh, adriana barraza okay um as yeah, the, the seance uh, the, lady yeah i thought that was cool <laughs> i was i was into that one she was very convincing this lady can exercise this demon and put it into the goat. Like, I bought it. Put it in the goat. <laughs> I mean, it, it makes as much sense as anything. Uh, for me, yeah, again, we've talked about her. Lorna Raver, she really did without her. This movie I don't think works as well. She really put in work, uh, especially with those Hungarian curses. She's calling Allison all kinds of uh, not nice I was going to say, this is a family show, so we can't say what she was actually saying, but she was saying some very legitimate Hungarian curse words. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, the, the, the extras, she's asking Sam, like, I can call her this word, Sam, in Hungarian. Would you like me to do that? He goes, yeah, yeah. That'd be great. <laughs> very interesting how sweet it's like i'd like to call her this horrible thing (laughs) right hidden gem which is our underappreciated cast member josh i kind of i I kind of uh i put justin long i think he was underutilized a little bit i think he was the biggest name attached to the movie and like other than other than tusk i can't remember anything else that he's been in since and i kind of like justin long so yeah i did yeah Brian, how about you, know, you I, for your hidden gem? Or no, I can you actually want to talk about Justin. Yeah, I I actually wanted. I'm thoroughly behind that. I think Justin Long is a lot of fun in the movie season. I think he actually lends to the. Um, I don't want to say goofiness, but more lightheartedness of the film. Like he's clearly like trying to be supportive, but he's also not really buying it. And then he's kind of buying it. I I just feel like. 
that sort of character could have done more. Could have been fleshed uh, yeah, out a little more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I can, I can, I mean, seriously, after all that crazy stuff happened, the fact that he was still going to propose at the end, I was like, man, that's solid. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> he's he's a good guy. He's supportive of her, but you can tell he's he's not really buying whatever's going on in her life. Like, uh, I think my girlfriend may be a little bit insane. But he loved her all the same. <laughs> our, our cat's missing. Crazy and all. She's, she's going nuts over uh, missing buttons. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, Brian, who is your hidden gem? Oh, no, I was backing up the Justin Long piece. Oh, okay. So you're, you're Justin Long. Yeah. For me, it's, uh, it's Sam Raimi. He actually can be seen as one of the ghosts in the seance. So that was kind of fun for me. But uh, if you'd like to I know, know another big name wasn't mentioned in our credits, Octavia Spencer. I saw that. Yeah, I forgot all about that. She is sitting as one of the co-workers in- doing absolutely nothing in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> like, here's a great actress that you've got just as a background character. Yeah. Like, let her say something. Next up is our recast. So we're going to replace one cast member. Josh, who are we recasting? All right. Well, we already kind of talked about uh, Ellen Page originally being cast. I thought Amy Adams because she got a very Amy Adams vibe off of her. Oh, okay. But that's not my – those are just the freebies. The one – you ready for this? Ron Joss, (laughs) Jay Sandra Sekar. Okay. Super Troopers. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. All right, so since we're zaniness a little bit, yeah. If we're gonna go, because I thought of this too, I I, if we're gonna go silly with it, I want to see Betty White as Mrs. Ganesh. (laughs) There's no way society would allow her to be (laughs) portrayed that way. Yeah, yeah, but how much fun would that have been? (laughs) (laughs) I want to go back to the J casting. I I love that. Uh, as long as they make I can sense. see him being serious and just like throwing a little bit of a uh, little bit of quirky into it too. Come on. As long as they mix in some they think I'm Mexican jokes. <laughs> yeah. Why does everyone think someone that? walks in hola? I don't get it. <laughs> they think I'm Mexican. <laughs> it's kind of like all uh, those cameos they did on Dukes of Hazard. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, for me, Campus police. mentioned it earlier i'm i miss bruce campbell uh nothing against the ram joss character uh i thought uh Dalip did a very good job but i want bruce campbell back and this is the character i can see bruce campbell doing uh he seems kind of like a huckster i think he could have fun with the role and pull off that smarmy but incompetent <laughs> that doesn't kind of maybe is bsing the person in the beginning but then starts to realize that there's really something going on there yeah maybe uh maybe pull the necronomicon from yeah. the shelves so like you get another book but uh pull the necronomicon off the shelves i actually read something today that uh they've completely made up that book but people went into bookstores and brian uh, you may be able to back back this up people went into bookstores asking for this imaginary book so often that they wound up printing it oh wow yeah. like they created this book just to get all these people that were obsessed with uh, i guess evil dead and there's another movie that started this uh just to make them happy and be like here <laughs> here's a book of spells that absolutely <laughs> don't skin. work 
Yeah, it is. It is one of the more requested self transformation titles that we carry in the store. <laughs> there you go. There's there's our plug. You want the the Necronomicon from Evil Dead? Go to Barnes and Noble. There we go. So best shot, Josh. For me, it was I, I mentioned before the. Um, the daytime haunting scene of the Lamia where you see the hooves and everything when he, when he, he's coming up, coming up the stairs and you see the hooves stop like right behind the door. Yes. I thought that was a pretty, uh, pretty spooky and, and powerful scene there. Yeah, absolutely. Brian, what's your best shot? I think it's her climbing out of the grave. Um, just the, the various aspects of the body floating up behind her and then the cross coming down and, all of that was was a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, that's terrifying with this dead gypsy woman floating up at you. Mm-hmm. Well, less terrifying when she's at the funeral and mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> the casket just falls, falls out of the over casket. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, mine was similar to yours, Brian. It's when she's returning the button, she's shoving it in her mouth, and you get this angled shot from the grave where it's pouring water and mud in, and you can see the sky. Just there's a lot going on with that shot. So I thought that was very, very cool. Uh, best scene, Josh. Okay, this was an easy one for me, the shed scene. I, I took notes on what I was going to talk about, and the notes that I took was going to talk about for this scene, all it says is fist, anvil, and eyeballs. So <laughs> she's, in the, she's in the shed trying to find things to, to pawn so she can pay the $10,000 to have the seance. And uh, Mrs. Ganesh shows up like behind her and uh they start fighting and she goes about she punches her in the mouth but goes about elbow deep into her face um into yes. into christine's <laughs> face um she backs away and she's she's holding the ice skate and she slices the rope where the anvil comes down squirting her eyeballs out on christine's face so that was an easy <laughs> one for me <laughs> and that is a fantastic one i love that and uh there's a little bit of extra blood in there. And the sound effects, too, were a little cartoonish. And, uh, yeah. you know, you just kind of expect to hear a, a boing or something like that in the background. <laughs> that was the one spot, like, the CGI stood out to me is not working as well. It, it looked dated. Yeah, yeah, it looked dated. Everything else worked. But I still, I was like, all right, I'm going to give this a pass. I laughed out loud, even though I've seen it. I watched that scene again, and I laughed out loud. I was like, that's ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> I think any of the fight sequences between her and Mrs. Ganesh are are probably yeah, collectively the best part of it. I was going to go with the car scene and the stapler, but yeah, like it's just like every time it happens, you're sitting there like, man, this is going to get weird. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that that was the same for me. The car scene goes from scary when she's practically slithering under the car to smashing the window with a cinder block and then it kind of turns to goofy of she's hitting her with a stapler so you get a little stapling her eye shut yeah (laughs) you get a little bit of everything and knowing that both actresses didn't really use stunt doubles it's just them wailing on each other that made it a whole lot better for me so change one thing I don't really want to change much about this movie. I thought it was exactly what it wanted to be. If I had to, like, twist my arm, change one thing, it would be to add Bruce Campbell somewhere. 
Yeah. Yeah. That's a big one for me too. I, I would like Bruce to come back. Brian, I think it is what we all. I think it is what we all wanted. Uh, my change one thing is going to be. I think I would have done less personal life and more scary stuff. I felt like the the pregnant pauses in between horror were a little long and I would have liked instead of short punctuations of crazy stuff happening to have more or longer more sustained eeriness if if you follow me yeah you want to ratchet up the tension a little bit yeah I, I felt like everything was very like this would be short sentences and I was looking for more like paragraphs okay yeah I'm I'm for that. Add a little bit more Lamia terrorization. Mm -hmm. Uh, For me, I'm changing the title. I feel like Drag Me to Hell scared some people off. Uh, (laughs) It it made me say no thanks. I actually found out this was originally titled The Curse, which would have been just fine. I, I probably would have called it The Lamia or The Gypsy's Curse or anything else, but I just feel like this movie was passed over because of the title. Um, I mean, Sam Raimi's no stranger to weird titles with the evil dead, but Drag Me to Hell was just a bit too extreme. So change it to the Lamia. We already had, uh, I like uh, that. what was it? La, La, Llorna? La Llorna. Yeah. So best quote, Josh. See, this was hard for me because I really wanted to quote the cursing goat. <laughs> I'm not going to, uh, but uh, the goat gets possessed and he he calls Christine some bad names, but I, uh, and he uh, 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 while well, he does it. So um, I'm not going to go with that. My best quote is a corny quote, um, but one I appreciate it nonetheless. Seemed a, I think you said it seemed a little out of place and maybe forced, but when she walks into the cemetery and says, "I'm going to get some," and I was just like, uh, "Okay," it's because that's a reference to the Evil Dead, and so I, I appreciated it and. Uh, so that was my uh, that was my best quote. Yeah, Ash Williams rep- reference always appreciated. Brian, and get your filthy pig knuckle off my desk. <laughs> oh yes, it's a good one. <laughs> Stu's just sitting there as it transforms into the Lamia. That was a, that was a good scene, and just the freak out and everyone in the background. What? was that right before the blood i think so yeah those things yeah yeah that was that was a great scene um i'm going to the bank for mine too but i'm going with a lona raver quote uh when she's just completely embarrassed she does the you shamed me i begged you and you shamed me that was pretty good (laughs) that was the yeah i was serious quote of the movie yeah I was sitting there like, oh, no, you didn't. Oh, take it back. Dude, she's a gypsy. <laughs> oh, she's trouble. Yeah, that's when you're like, you know what? Never mind. Never mind. You can have the house. You can have the house. We're going to uh, we're gonna work out new terms for you. I mean, she did get new terms like, several times over. They did establish that. Right. But, uh, yeah. Yeah, when, when old crazy lady is saying you shamed her. <laughs> I'm sorry, old crazy lady. Yeah, yeah, it's like uh, my my bad. We'll we'll work something out in the morning. Just come back. It's go see stew. Go see stew. <laughs> well, 
Uh, it's been a lot of fun. Uh, now it's time for our guest plug. Josh, do you have a, a plug? That, anything you'd like to plug? Um, I, besides being a horror movie enthusiast, I am also a chiropractor. Advanced Chiropractic of South Hills, Mount Lebanon Boulevard on in Castle Shannon. So uh, if you need any, any kind of uh, realignment, I'm your guy. If you've been attacked by a lamia recently? If you've been attacked by a lamia or, or, or pulled a muscle <laughs> stabbing your cat, um, I have the, uh, the, the techniques that uh, can help you out. No, don't come to see me if you stabbed your cat. I'm, yeah. I'm joking. Retro Movie Roundtable does not endorse stabbing <laughs> cats or any other form of animal. He also we does not accept curse buttons as children. forms of payment. Curse buttons are not <laughs> acceptable forms of payment. I'll, I'll bill your insurance. <laughs> right, very good. Go see, go see uh, Josh Evans. Now it's time for our, our rating and our recommendation. We'll start with you, Josh, as our guest. What do you give Drag Me to Hell? We're going four stars. Four stars. Four stars. I like this movie a lot, and... Uh, it won't go down in history as one of the greatest horror movies of all time. I've got no, uh, you know, I, I know that's not going to be the case. But as I've said a few times before, it's it's exactly what it wanted to be. It's what I wanted it to be. And I wish there would uh, be more like that. Yeah. Brian, you've never seen this movie before. Walking in with a fresh perspective. What do you give Drag Me to Hell? Um, I'm going to give it three stars. And that's not out of any disrespect to it. It it is what it is. It's a very serviceable shock horror movie. Um, it follows in line with, you know, Raimi's vision for his films. Um, but it didn't wow me either. So yeah, I feel like three stars and you know, this is one of those movies I'd probably revisit maybe every other Halloween. Like it's not my go-to, but you know, it's once I forget it a little bit, it'll be a, Oh yeah, I remember that. Let's watch it again. Yeah, I get that. Uh, for me, I love this movie. It really is in the upper echelon of you know, kind of comedy horror for me. So for me, it's five stars. I, I just, I love everything about this movie. Uh, yeah, yeah, I, I do. Um, I, I like this style. There needs to be bit. more of it there yeah. needs to be more of this style yeah, like, or otherwise i like the gremlins the critters mm -hmm. the evil deads uh and this is right up there it just fills that void for me and i i want more i i want the cabin in the woods so please keep making movies like this that i can enjoy the babysitter was another great one on who uh netflix so five stars for me brian are you ready to pick a movie for next week Let's pick a movie. All right. I am entitling this one Bad Trip. So we're going to do a short list of three movies involving vacations gone wrong. Option number one, Wolf Creek from 2005. Three backpackers stranded in the Australian outback are plunged in a hellish nightmare of insufferable torture by a sadistic psychopathic local. Sounds intense. Uh, option two is The Shining from 1980. A family heads to an isolated hotel for the winter where a sinister presence influences the father into violence while his psychic son sees horrific forebodings from both past and future. And option number three, talked about it a lot, The Evil Dead from 1981. Five 
five friends travel to a cabin in the woods where they unknowingly release flesh-possessing demons. My favorite kind of demons. <laughs> Always the best kind of demons. Deadites. <laughs> All right, well, I mean, I think we got to do The Shining, right? It's just, it calls Upper to us. A of horror. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I can't tell you how many times I've told Jess that I hope we have twins one day so I can use them to screw with our guests. Yes. Um, <laughs> I am, yeah, I, dude, I've got so many practical jokes. If we end up having twins, it's going to be epic. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, yeah, I think we got to do 64 days a year. What's that? But that one day. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I don't know. We got to do Shining, especially since the sequel's coming out soon. Really? There's a sequel Do- to the Dr. Shining? Dr. Sleep? Dr. Sleep? Called? Yeah. Yep. Okay. All right. Uh, Jack Torrance, uh, I, I don't want to spoil it. <laughs> I guess I won't spoil that. Uh, so Russell, we will I call this. It. We'll call this timeliness. Okay. All right. Very good. So look forward to that uh, in our next week, The Shining from 1980. So thank you to Josh Evans for visiting with us today. Thank yeah, you. happy to do it. Fun. To see you guys again. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, thanks, again, if you and enjoyed the podcast today go check out josh and the never-ending story and brian and russell do it so you don't have to listen to me (laughs) and remember (laughs) all you lords ladies and knights of the retro movie roundtable we invite you to reach out to us we want to hear from you Uh, you can subscribe rate and review us on itunes spotify stitcher google play or wherever else millennials get podcasts um give us a (laughs) five-star rating on itunes uh, that really helps out the show. Give us a good review. Uh, give us a like on Facebook. Uh, we're starting to get more interaction, so that's always fun hearing what you like, what you don't like, uh, whether you like the movie or not. Follow us on Twitter at movie underscore retro or email us at retromovieroundtable at yahoo.com. As always, thank you for listening. Be good to each other and watch more movies. Brian? Martini. Gin, not vodka obviously stirred for 10 seconds while glancing at an unopened bottle of vermouth. There you go. <laughs>